Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full side. He slides it into the nets. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball. Opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins. 1 0 Villa. Villa's a big clap, mate. So. Gather around villains and welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. There's plenty to discuss on, on this week's podcast as we wrap up the last week of the season and, of course, welcome a new star to the club. I'm Andy, and I'm delighted to be joined by our very own star boy. It's Craig. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, evening, morning, night listener, depending on when you are listening to our dulcet tones. Uh, yeah, whew, 38 games done, a real, real slog of a season, and um, one that uh, we can, we can, I'm certainly somewhat pleased to see the back of. It's time to refresh and start again, I think. I think you're right. I think you're right. I was going to ask you if you're pleased to see the end of the uh, end of the season, um, but you've just answered it for me. So, well, I can yeah. answer it in some more detail later on, um, yeah, and, okay. and talk about why and the, the whys and the wherefores. Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Um, but first of all, we'll 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 mention the uh, we'll go in chronological order, and we'll mention the Burnley match, which saw Gerrard's men complete their somewhat disappointing home campaign. It may, of course, um, prove to be the last time we see some some certain players in Villa shirts at Villa Park, and it would and it was not an occasion that will will stay in the memory bank for too long. Villa dominated the ball, particularly um, in the first half, but but it was Burnley who took the lead as Emi Buendia was caught far from his natural habitat habitat in his own penalty area and gave away the penalty which Ashley Barnes dispatched. Buendia, however, did did make amends early after the break with an excellent run into the box to meet McGinn's cross to level things with an excellent volley. It was certainly an up-and-down night for Buendia, who replaced Coutinho for the match. Um, But this game sort of seemed a microcosm of, of Villa's season in, in many ways. What do you think? Yeah, it was, it was just disappointing. We have, um, we, we, uh, we were almost there. Um, we, we climbed the mountain and crossed the river, but we were almost, almost there to quote a princess and a frog. And, um, basically as Brandy told me, almost doesn't count. Um, creating lots of chances. Great. That Burnley side the first thing I'll say about it is good riddance. I hate playing Burnley. The Ben, me, Wesley thing I've talked about in detail. I won't dredge it up again, but I'm glad to see the back of Burnley. Not least because they're just really awkward opponents for Aston Villa. Um, we, we really struggle against them and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see the back of them. Nick Pope was in inspired form, but as we saw um, in the Newcastle game against Burnley where uh, Callum Wilson, who is a top top finisher you just give Nick Pope no chance and he can't save everything we gave him far too many chances far too many opportunities and um, ultimately you have to say a failure to beat Crystal Palace at home followed by a failure to beat 
Burnley, uh, Burnley at home, relegated Burnley now, just really isn't good enough. And that is the microcosm of the season, Andy. Overall, um, if it was a school report, it would say must do better. Yeah, it certainly felt like that. It was it was obviously very very flat, really, on on, on Thursday night. Um, last week there wasn't uh, there wasn't much atmosphere and and really the crowd um didn't seem too too inspired by the the whole thing even though um they their favorite uh, Emmy Buendia was 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 starting um I was just going to ask you about his performance really because you know he he got his start um he only starts against Burnley um under Steven Gerrard so good luck next season Emmy um he also, I mean, he started alongside uh, Chukwemeka as well, and both of them seemed seemed you know slightly out of out of the game, off a bit off the pace um, from where I was. What did you make of uh, Buendia first of all? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, really, some 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 lax uh, play from Buendia. Not only the penalty, he also kept giving away wide free kicks. I think Chukwemeka was guilty of that as well, and that's just meat and drink to that Burnley side. They are. Itching, they're just itching for an opportunity to lump the ball into the box for their big, their big gargantuan luddites to 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 get into, <laughs> and um, Villa were just giving them an ample opportunity. That absolute Neanderthal Ashley Barnes with his elbow in Ming's face should have been sent off, but they're they're looking for that. They want that roughhouse kind of game because that suits their skill set. So it's not unreasonable to assume that they that is part of their game plan be robust block everything rely on nick pope and we're going to pump diagonals into your box and brendia was just giving away cheap fouls stupid fouls i think that just speaks to his mentality sometimes i think that the pressure sometimes gets to him in terms of the pressure that he seems to put on himself he can get very frustrated and very carried away i think the red mist sometimes descends with brendia and um, the 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 thing that he's going to need to exhibit moving forward is a little bit more emotional control, um, both when things are not going right for him on the pitch, and also when he's you know giving away stupid fouls, trying to win the ball back and stuff like that. He needs to be a little bit more calm, a little bit more measured. And I, I guess that will come with age and maturity. But um, Brendia has really been producing numbers. He's he's got goals and assists in all of his recent um, appearances. Um, certainly, all of his recent starts, other than the one against uh, Manchester City, where he did put in a, a reasonable shift. So. I think some really encouraging signs for Emi Buendia. I think he is clearly going to be part of Gerard's plans moving forward. And I think we can expect a bigger season from him uh, next year. Yeah, I certainly hope so. He's got he's got some interesting interesting qualities. We've talked a lot about his his pressing and, and his work rate, which I think is 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 up there with the, 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 the best. In fact, you know, we'll talk about Man City game in a bit, but after about seventy-five minutes, his legs had, had gone completely. He did that much running and, and closing and pressing um, from his position there in the midfield that um, you know I think he'd he'd, he'd he'd given up the ghost after seventy-five minutes. But that's not really what what you want him there for. You want him there to to affect the game in the final third. Which, like you say, in the games he's 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 um, played he. He kind of has done that, and it was a it was an excellent goal. I thought he scored um, against Burnley. You know, really, really good cross and a, a, a you know excellent run into the box and a, and, a, and a really good finish. And that's what we want to see more of. Um, I think we'll you know we'll perhaps do a season review next next week. But he was um, 
for me, he's just for someone who promised so much when we signed him. I've just found I've just felt really disappointed with him um, for most of the season. He's had certain games where he's looked he's looked like here we go, you know this this is the player we signed, and then he just kind of goes missing. And I thought, despite his goal the other night, I just I just wasn't I just wasn't feeling his performance at all. Um, you know, like like I said, a lot of effort. You know, shows his emotions too much. Lots of jumping about. You know, shouting at the ref and all that sort of thing. But ultimately, um, I don't know. Just just doesn't. You know, doesn't look really doesn't look the part. Looks like he's trying a bit too hard. I think. For me, I think I think that comes from his kind of unfortunate position. He's gone in in a matter of months from Aston Villa's record signing and the person that we were going to build around to someone who is the firmly the second choice and who is under pressure. I mean, he's also he's in a bit of a no win situation because even when he scores and assists as he did in the first game against Burnley, he was dropped again straight away for the returning Coutinho. And so it almost doesn't matter what he does um, because he's, 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 he's probably going to get dropped anyway. And that must not be a, a, a good place to be in psychologically and emotionally. So that could perhaps explain some of the, uh, the, the, the red mist to an extent. But again, we have seen it before. It's not like it, this is brand new from Brendia. So that might be me being too generous in my, um, in my defense of him. But I would also say that uh, with Brendia being settled now I guess it should be an opportunity next season for him to for him to show his true colors I've seen enough from Buendia unlike Bailey and unlike Ings <laughs> I've seen enough from from out, out of those trio Ben Buendia certainly would be my star man out of the three um again might be a slightly low bar but um, I've certainly seen more from Buendia than the other two to suggest that I would have him around next season as an integral part of the squad. And depending on the system that Gerald's going to play, perhaps even a starter alongside Coutinho behind that uh, number nine, who may or may not be Ollie Watkins. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think uh, he comes in sec- a close second behind Ashley Young as uh, the signing of last summer um, for me. But... <laughs> That's, that's just because I really, really love having Ashley Young back at the club. I think, but he's yeah, he's 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 got potential. He's twenty five, so he's I don't know. Is he in his peak yet? Um, no, I wouldn't have thought so. But I, he's certainly not a youngster, is he? And uh, it was just one of them. I think I think there's an awful lot of players that that haven't haven't perhaps met their potential this season. Um, there'll be lots of players disappointed with 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 their body of work from this season, and um, I think he should be one of them. And people say about Coutinho kind of stunting him and coming in and you know messing up his progress, but he was in and out the side um, before Coutinho arrived. He wasn't a fixture um, in the team. You know there were plenty of um, naysayers as well in the crowd. Um, in the early days, which was probably a little bit unfair, um, but uh, you know, you've got to start. You, you know, you're always looking to to improve the side, and and you, you know, as we've mentioned so many times, you get the opportunity to sign Philip Coutinho, you, you you take it, and unfortunately, that's um, you know, that's not been great for Buendia, but 
it's it's all on him. He's got to he's got to go and go and take the shirt back, hasn't he? And you know, hopefully he's 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 got the uh, he's got he's got the the youth on his side, and he's he's got the ability to 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 really make an impact in the side next year, like you say. Um, so let let's hope he let's hope he does. Um, but we'll move on to uh, to Sunday, and and all eyes were on Villa. Certainly, from a, a Liverpool perspective, um, on Sunday as as we ended the the season playing the part of title chasing cannon fodder really against Man City um, at the Etihad. Could Gerard put the league title in Liverpool's hands, and could Villa stop their old skipper from lifting the trope trophy that he he left the club to win? Um, of course, it was it was neither of those two scenarios in the end. However, Villa certainly set the cat amongst the pigeons, as on seventy minutes they were amazingly two 0 ahead. First of all, a really powerful driving run by by Ramsey. Um, he teed up Dean Dean perfectly uh, to deliver across, which Matty Cash headed into the net. It was a real tale of the fullbacks, which is shaping up to be. Part of the bedrock of, of Gerard's system going forward. Suddenly, could it be said that we have top class technicians on either side in those positions? I would definitely characterise Dinia as a top top class technician. I'm not sure that I would characterise Cash as a technician. I don't. I think he's more of a, a blood and thunder kind of. Um, um, but we do, he does have some finesse, and he's developed his his finesse. His 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 a swashbuckler. Swashbuckling, yeah. I think what what Cash is is like a super athlete. I think um, you know he's, he's Cash to me looks like one of those kids at school. You know that could just play any sport. They were just really good at all of them: rugby, cricket, football. Didn't matter. Um, Cash looks like one of those type of cats. He's he's handy on the golf course, apparently. Oh, is he? And there the you snooker go. table. Yeah, right, there you go. I, I can yeah. see it. I can I can see it in his bones. Um, yeah. so, so he just looks like a natural natural athlete. Certainly, he'd be coming first in cross country with the likes of me languishing at the back uh, if we were in school <laughs> together. Hated cross country. My God. <laughs> Anyway, and um, and uh, uh, but I digress. I think Cash is 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 kind of a, a, a modern fullback, more of an athlete, kind of more in the, the Kyle Walker. Uh, Kyle Walker probably wouldn't be described by anyone as 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 a genius technical footballer, but what Kyle Walker is is perhaps the most effective right back in uh, in the Premier League in the last ten years. And and Matty Cash is not in that league right now, but he's moving into that kind of territory by adding goals and assists to his game as well as his robust defensive quality. Another compliment I have to give to Cash because it's something that I was concerned about last season is he seems to have gotten a little bit cuter a little bit wiser he you know he gave away a couple of stupid uh, penalties last season got stupidly sent off last season I remember against Man City ironically he seems to have really nipped those things in the bud as well as adding the goals and assists into his arsenal so Matty Cash now although I wouldn't use the technical term to describe him I would say um, he has become really one of the top right backs in the Premier League and I don't think I'm 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 being hyperbolic in saying that the numbers are um, are quite wonderful. It was a great move, Luca Dean with a, a pinpoint ball that that Matt Target would be proud of, Andy, and um, Cash Cash buried it. So um, you know it's going to be unfortunate for you, Andy, and other Matt Cash fans when he's dropped to the bench uh, for the returning Freddie Gilbert. But um, you know he's had a good season, Matty Cash, and we're very proud of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been nice while it lasted, but uh, you know. <laughs> Take a seat, Matty. Yeah. 
Freddie's back from League Un. Um, but uh, yeah, I I absolutely agree with um, what you say about Matt Cash and probably the, the term technician um, kind of sets him in a in a different uh, in a different kind of type of player. But he's absolutely. But I I do think his technical the technical aspects of his game have have drastically improved and. I remember you talking about this um, a few months ago on on this podcast, where you were saying he keeps swinging these balls in from from you know outside the penalty area, and it's just going nowhere. He can't do well, it. He's, he's he not, was hitting he's the pigeons. There was a there was, a, there was a, yeah. the World Wildlife Fund had come and, and launched an appeal around <laughs> Phillip Park for the for the pigeons on the endangered species list being hit by Matt Cash's crosses. But as you say. He has really yeah. addressed that, and um, I think in the end they just told him to stop crossing it and just just do little cutbacks. Uh, yeah, but just get to the yeah yeah. yeah. So just yeah, get but to the byline and get the crosses. He, in. he talk about improvement. Um, you, we talked about uh, earlier, you know, Buendia and his struggles, and 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 the the Burnley performance being a microcosm of the season. I think in terms of player of the season, it was a toss up. For most fans, I think between Jacob Ramsey and, and Matty Cash, but in terms of um, players improved, we we sat on this podcast last year and we talked about how, oh my goodness, you know how how Dean Smith and Aston Villa had really improved so many players. We were looking at Matt Cash who 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 had improved throughout the season. He's gone on to a new level. We we're looking at Konza talking about he how he had improved so markedly. He's taken a little bit of a step back, but but Matty Cash and, and Jacob Ramsey, I will I'll put in that bracket as well are two players uh, that can really be proud of themselves this season. I, I would separate them from the, the dross of most of the rest of the team and the inconsistencies. Both of those lads can certainly hold their heads up high and I'm excited for what further improvements they can make come uh, August. Did you? Who, who was your player of the year? Did you vote? I didn't vote. I didn't vote, no. Um, I, I've, um, I, I would have gone for um, cash, actually. Um not only because of the consistency starting every game, but also the 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 improvements have been really stark, and um, that takes real commitment. It's very easy, I think, for a player to come from the championship to be making more money than he ever probably imagines he could make, signing a new deal, and then really rest on his laurels and just be like, okay, I've made it now. And we've seen plenty of those players in Aston Villa colours over the years who are more than happy to sit on the fringes. Uh, the likes of Lansbury come to mind, not interested really in playing or improving himself, just quite happy picking up a paycheck and having a lovely lifestyle. And I can understand that to, to, to a point on a human level. But what separates Matty Cash is, this is someone who actually changed his bloody nationality, Andy. This is how serious he is. Think about that. How many people listening to this podcast would change their nationality to try and prove themselves on, on, on a bigger scale. Matty Cash knew that probably he wasn't going to get a look in for England because of the Trents and what, even though Gareth Southgate likes to pick 15 right backs, he probably would have got a look in, but he probably wasn't going to be England starting right back for the next 10 years, whereas he might be Poland starting right back for the next 5, 10 years. So for him to change his nationality, for him to go to Poland, become their starting right back, and really just reinvent himself just tells me that this guy is cut from a different kind of cloth 
And that is the kind of character that you want. And 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 for those reasons, taking nothing away from Jacob Ramsey in his season, that's why I would have Matty Cash as the uh, as as the player of the season because I think the the kind of mental fortitude that he's shown and the commitment to bettering himself when it could be easy for him to sit on easy street um, on a nice fat contract really impressed me uh, about Matty Cash. Really impressed me a lot. Yeah, it's that it's those little differences. I remember he, he, when he scored his first goal against Everton earlier in the season, and he kind of ran around Villa Park like he couldn't believe what had just happened. And then he's nodding one in at the Etihad like he's he just does that every week, you know. And I I, I feel like there's that he's playing with so much confidence, and he knows now um, that he belongs there. And I think I think. I think that's a big part to do with 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 Gerard and how you know if you're prepared to if you're prepared to do that and and you know and do the work and and improve and and you know and, and get better and put in a hundred percent every week, um, you will get on famously with Gerard. But I think maybe there are some some players that you know perhaps don't get on so well with him. Maybe I'm speculating, but who who maybe aren't. Aren't so willing to um, to make those improvements, and but that's that's what you want. You want you want players like Matt Cash showing showing the others. This is what you do. This is how you how you um, how you improve and how you become you know confident in your game. And I think he's he, he's just a different player. He was good last season as well, but this season just levels above levels above. And on the other side now, Luca Dean is. You know, it's it's four assists for for him since he joined the club, um, and apparently in that time only only Andy Robinson Robertson has got more assists. So he's doing something right as well now. He is, he is, and and I, you know, you got it again, Andy. Yes, yes, yes. Um, he has, he's 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 showing his uh, real value, Luca Dean, and he is. Obviously, already he was statistically one of the best right, right left backs in the league, and now he's really just demonstrating that. I think, with respect to Everton, he's playing in a better side now with better players. And just imagine if he had uh, uh, someone like a Dominic Calvert Lewin, who who had some some more aerial prowess, how many assists he might have? Because uh, for all the best will in the world with Ollie Watkins, um, we saw again in the Man City game. Uh, elite finisher he is not and he's not elite aerially so uh, it'll be interesting to see what striker comes in and if it's someone who does have an aerial presence because that could really take Luca Dean's numbers to the next level because those those crosses are just delicious they are as good as it they're, they're as good as anything Andy Robertson can can do either those pro- crosses are ridiculous from Dean yeah I suppose we shouldn't be surprised really it's just so unusual to see players of that of that caliber playing for Villa isn't it? You know, when you think, I mean, who was the best left back we had pre prior to? Well, I suppose you could say Matt Target, but who was the best left back prior to Dinia? You know, it's probably you're probably going back to people like Wilfred Boomer, aren't you? And yeah, I, the, the, and Target, Target, I think was was um, tar, Matt Target is a solid Premier League um, left back. Full stop. I'm not. I'm not having any other feeling towards target other than he's a very solid Premier League left back um, but Dini is better and that's good we're trying to improve um, best left back well it's got to be Alan Hutton Andy surely <laughs> you could 
You're going to have I'm him just, as a left back. No, I'm really not. I'm, no, no, of course not. Um, obviously, it's not going to be Ali Sissoko. Um, we had Neil. Uh, Neil it's not going to be Neil Taylor. Nicky Shorey. <laughs> it's a blast God. from the past. We've had some terrible, terrible Tony times Lee. at left back. Goodness me, Luna Richardson. We had bloody Richardson yeah. playing at left back at certain yeah. points. I mean, we've had some dark old days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, probably going back to Stephen Warnock, I would think would be the um, would be yeah. the one. Um, Warnock, but yeah, but, yeah. but 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 yeah. but Warnock did not possess the kind of um, the kind of quality that that Luca Dean did. Um, so Alan Wright also Steve did not Staunton. possess the kind of quality. <laughs> Steve Staunton did, but Steve Staunton not not really an athlete, whereas Luca Dean is. But I mean, it was a different game back then. I mean, we're going way yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. No, it's certainly uh, the signs are good, and hopefully, you know, the the like say these two could be um, could be a huge part of of what we're doing next season. So, and yeah, it's looking good at the moment. Um, but City, of course, had did have most of the possession throughout the game. However, Villa, it was Villa who struck again on the seventy minute mark after a really really organised and, and well well kind of constructed display. Um, but it was a long ball from Robin Olsen, who was deputising for, uh, for for Emi Martinez, who headed, who was was headed on by uh, by Ollie Watkins before Coutinho controlled the ball, dropping over his shoulder, touched inside and fired into the near post. It was route one, but but just just talk me through the quality of um, of this from from Villa's front men. Well, um, this had me uh, this had me jumping out of my seat at home. Um, I have to tell you that uh, it's like it, it was like um, it was a, a throwback to, to Wimbledon of the nineteen nineties. So for anyone old enough <laughs> to get that reference, but it's effective. I mean, look, Burnley have been in the Premier League. I think since like uh, I don't know, like 2010, 2011, something like that. They've been in the Premier League a long old time with, with Sean Dyche until their recent relegation. Did I say good riddance to Burnley? I'll say it again, good riddance to Burnley. And they have stayed there largely playing this kind of brand of football with the, with, with the likes of Chris Wood, so on and so forth. And the way that the, 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 the football doesn't always have to be super complicated and pretty pictures and pretty patterns. Sometimes it can be simple. And particularly against Man City and, and sometimes Liverpool, who are playing very high lines, sometimes they're not well versed in dealing with it. But the the route one nature of the goal would be really a little bit um, to, to undersell the quality in Coutinho's kind of two-touch. First of all, to control the ball, which is coming over his head, and beat the defender in one motion and put it ready for a shot in one touch to do that all in one touch is kind of Dennis Bergkamp-esque. It reminded me of some of the touches that yeah. Dennis Bergkamp would do. For any, any of you youngsters listening to the show, uh, give yourself, a, 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 give yourself a, a, a treat for five minutes and uh, not that kind of treat and uh, have, a, have, a, have a YouTube of Dennis Bergkamp's um, first touches. It just the YouTube it you'll see what I mean. It was a Dennis Bergkamp-esque kind of first touch and um, it sets him up and then he just buries it. You know, one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League is, is, is doesn't even bother to dive. It's past him before he can even move. And that is the kind of quality that, that, that Coutinho possesses. That's the kind of quality that made him one of the most expensive footballers in the history of the game. And um, 
and the finish is absolutely sublime. It was it was really incredible. Two very good goals from Aston Villa, which is really ironic actually that we had our shooting boots on, other than Ollie Watkins, who we might talk about in a minute. Everyone had their shooting boots on for Aston Villa um, uh, 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 in this game. Great finish by Cash, lovely move, and just a just a 110 million pound finish from Contida. It was, wasn't it? It was almost in one movement because the you know it was a it was a good good ball to win um, from Ollie from the from the kick. But Coutinho's got an awful lot to do there, hasn't he, with the ball coming over yeah. his shoulder? But he, it's, it's not been rolled it, over the goal line for him to tap in. No, <laughs> there's a bit of work to do there. Yeah, it's 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 the skill involved, and you know, I mean, I've never played football to any high level, but I can imagine, you know, trying to watch a ball coming over your shoulder like that, you know. And he had defenders with him as well, you know, and to just almost in one motion control it, you know, and beat the defender and finish is um, was absolutely superb, and it was in before. Anyone could really, really uh, react to it. So I just thought it was a, a tantalising, another tantalising insight into into what what we can maybe expect from him next season as a as a as a full time Villa player now. And um, he certainly looked like he enjoyed that goal. It's a bit of it's a bit sad to to talk about these goals, excellent Villa goals, um, when we know. What's coming next, really? Um, but let's delay that for a minute. You wanted to, to talk a little bit about Ollie Watkins, and uh, he he had two, I think, really really good chances, didn't he? Um, sort of getting away from the defender and and, and getting in one on one. This guy just seems to not be able to when he when he's got time to think and he's one on one. He's just he, this is his, not where he's he's good. This is the paradox of of Ollie Watkins. All right. So there are very few strikers other than kind of a prime. I'm thinking probably Mikel Antonio could do it. Vardy could do it maybe more a couple of years ago than he could now. There's probably only four or five strikers. Son could do it. Kane isn't quick enough to do it. Uh, but Kane, uh, Son might be... Uh, yeah. So th- there's only probably f- a handful of strikers in the Premier League that can get that chance. Uh, particularly the one-on-one at the at, at the end where he's wrestling and he's just quick enough to 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 hustle and, and and get there. There's really few strikers that could even get that chance. I saw someone say on Twitter that Danny Ings would finish that. Well, Danny Ings can't get there. For the he's not strong enough and he's not quick enough and he's not athletic enough, so he doesn't get the chance. So on the one hand, you give you give Watkins ten out of ten for being one of that small handful of strikers in the Premier League that can actually get there and get that chance but then once he's once he's got there he does not have that Jamie Vardy he does not have that Hong Seung Min uh, uh, or, or even Antonio uh, composure in front of well Antonio actually is, is rope in front of goal as well <laughs> let's be fair he doesn't have the composure to to make it count so it's really difficult because on the one hand you praise him for getting into the in, into those positions and stretching the defense and that does have value but ultimately, if you are having so many one-on-ones, I mean, how many one-on-ones is that he's missed now this season? Got to be four or five just in the yeah. last six weeks. Yeah. I don't know how long you can defend it. I saw Stan Collymore actually tweet on 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 viewing that those chances that 
that that's one of the reasons why Ollie Watkins is replaceable because you just can't trust him to to finish his dinner. I was thinking about it and I was like, well, if 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 ever we we travel back in time and and, and one of us got into trouble, Andy, and you were put on the uh, executioner's block, you'd quite hope that Ollie Watkins was swinging the axe because you, you might have a fifty fifty chance of making it out alive. And and I love the guy, I do love him, and we've 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 sung his praises. You know, I don't need to to, to justify my love here. I think that's a Madonna song. I don't need to justify <laughs> my love for Ollie Watkins on on the on the show because regular listeners know that we we do sing his praises, but. <sighs> I guess I'll throw the question to you, Andy. If 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 Ollie Watkins cannot improve this this finishing his goal ratio, and you want to be competing amongst the teams for, for Europa League spots, who do have players like Jamie Vardy, like like Son that can finish these chances, can you can you afford to carry a player? Not carry because we don't carry him. He he carries us largely. I, I'm not finding the right words. Can we afford a player with such poor finishing as our main striker? I guess is the question I'm asking, Andy, if we want to move up the league. Well, I think we've spoken in the last couple of weeks, haven't we? And and I've I've kind of come to the conclusion that um in our position, I'd be very, very surprised if we could get anyone better. You know, obviously, we don't know what's in the pipeline. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't even know if Ollie Watkins is going to be staying or whether he's whether he'll be sold. Um, but I think in our position, we we're quite fortunate to have a player like him. And then at other times, you kind of we've talked about those missed chances, but there's the chance the two goals he scored this season against Brighton. You know that he's created more or less himself. He's gone through and finished. The goal against Norwich was just like Drogba esque in in many ways. His his strength and his pace and his finish was just just electric, really. Um, so he has got it in him, and I just wonder whether another season, another pre season, you know, with Steven Gerrard with 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 the players coming in, with Coutinho, Buendia, all these players, whether Ollie Watkins can really hit the ground running next season and make those developments in a similar way to how Matt Cash has this year, make those developments in his in his in his finishing and become more clinical. I don't think he's far away. I don't he's not Jason Lee, is he? He's you know, he he <laughs> There's is a 90s reference for you. <laughs> he's 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 a he's a re, he's he can finish. We've seen it. We've seen him do it. He scored nearly thirty goals for for Brentford the season um, before he signed for Villa. So he can do it. It's just it's just maybe maybe a little bit down to confidence and 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 maybe a little bit down to the kind of opportunities he's getting. But it, um, it could be reps as well, as improve. you say. He's been. Really, really, he's quite a new striker for 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 all intents and purposes. This is his this is his third season, including one in the championship as the main striker. Um, Am I right? Oh yes, that? For, one, for Bre- one for Brentford yeah, in the championship yeah. and two for Villa now. Yep, that's so right. So three yeah. years for a twenty six year old as a striker is not a lot. And I'm just thinking here, this might be me me putting two and two together and coming up with fifteen. 
Uh, I know Jermaine Defoe's recently retired and he was on the staff at Rangers kind of as a player coach under Gerrard. Is it too simplistic to say, hey, can we get someone like Jermaine Defoe in who already has a relationship with Gerrard to work with Ollie Watkins, certainly to work with the likes of uh, Keenan Davis. I think Archer can might maybe teach Defoe a thing or two. That, that guy's a, a sharpshooter, but to, to work with Louis Barry in preseason, I mean, is that too simplistic? Is it, is it that simple? Can you bring in someone like Defoe who can, who can lend some of his advice and credibility? Because I know that, that um, Ian Wright actually did a lot of work with Jermaine Defoe in his early career, in Jermaine Defoe's early career, and Defoe credits credits Ian Wright with with with, with helping him with his finishing. Um, is that something Villa could explore to try and get the best out of Ollie Watkins and add that next miss that that probably final piece of the jigsaw for him? Well, I think one thing that Gerard Gerard does is he tries to cover all eventualities, doesn't he? You know, his his mantra was no excuses, um, and if he feels that there is someone, whether it's Defoe or whoever, um, who could come in and, and help in that respect, then why not? Um, I think that would be a great move, to be honest. And, you know, I'm sure guys like, um, certainly someone like Ollie Watkins would have, would have, would have, you know, watched Defoe um, in his career. I imagine, like you say, Davis, Archer, Danny Ings, they, they, you know, they would all look up to a player like that. Um, so, um, worth a shout, I think. Uh, I think absolutely, and, and certainly when you're talking about finishing, you know, there weren't there weren't many better, were there, than uh, than Jermaine Defoe. So, um, I think that's uh, whether you can actually teach it is another is another matter. I think some players like Defoe, Ian Wright, all these guys, they it's just in their bones. They just they just know how to do it and uh, whether it's something you can actually teach. But I think it is something you can practice and, and maybe get better at. Um, but whether you can, you know, they talk about natural goal scorers and you can, you can tell those those guys that, that just have it, don't you? Can't you, really? Yeah, you can. You can. You can see it in Archer. Um, you can see with the goals that he scores and the variety of goals that he scores that he has that natural striking instinct that may be... Um, that, uh, that that maybe Ollie Watkins doesn't have, which is again fair enough in, in certain regards, because Ollie Watkins has only just played three years as a as a as a striker. I mean, Danny Ings used to seem to have those <laughs> instincts, <Yeah. laughs> uh, but he seems to have lost them since coming to Villa, which is uh, another story for another day. But um, yeah. he's missed it, so many chances, hasn't he? So both of them. I mean, we talk about the mediocre kind of um, league placing. If those pair, Ings and Watkins, and put away even 50% of, of, of some of the sit... I'm not talking about the half chances. I'm talking about the sitters that those two have missed. Certainly that'd be worth two or three places in this league, which is so truncated in the middle. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But we were 2-0 up, um, and everything was going <laughs> really swimmingly. I think we were we were Liverpool's... Everyone in Liverpool's second favourite team. Um particularly considering that we'd taken points off, off Burnley, so the Everton fans liked us as well. Um, but what happened next was nothing short of disastrous, really, as, as three goals in about seven minutes um, turned the game and the title on its head again. And, of course, led to uh, Jack Grealish, as we could have predicted, drunk on a bus, talking nonsense. Um but two goals from from Gundogan and a lovely strike, really, by Rodri blew blew away 
um, all of Villa's good work. Um, but it's just somehow seemed so inevitable, really. But what went wrong? Um, or was it just kind of class and, and pressure that, that told in the end? I think um, I think I think Villa bottled it. Quite frankly, I think that um, you you have an opportunity when you're two 0 up with whatever it was, fifteen minutes ago, twenty minutes ago. You have an opportunity to do some things to counteract the inevitable onslaught from Manchester City. And the interesting thing is, Manchester City employed some of these tactics the minute they went in front. And these are not tactics that require a hundred million pound footballers. These are really just simple tactics. Uh, Edison employed one in stoppage time. The man went down for two minutes with a fake injury. They were spoiling. They were fouling. They were um, you. You you take a time with a throw in. You take you make substitutions. You launch one out. You you block them in. You do give away cheap fouls. You argue with the ref. You start a little scuffle and take a booking. You kick someone in the air when you need to. Um, Villa did none of those things. They they were weak. They were they were they were cowardly, and they just lay on their back uh, like um, like my um, like my my pussycat does when she she wants her tummy tickled. Just said, oh come on, Man City, just just score three goals. Man City were not in anything like what you would call their 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 top form and i think that um that um gerard also has questions to answer i think that the the introduction of the camber for coutinho killed the shape that was working so well and for once the, the, the two number 10s it was really working um against man city we weren't under the cosh and um and and i think that a combination of those things i think that the the substitution was 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 incorrect if uh, coutinho was unable to continue which may have been the case i think the correct substitution would have been someone like uh, chokomenka or someone like um ashley young even or someone like uh, berti Traore. someone who is going to take the ball can do a little dribble win a foul run down the clock and he chose Marvellous Nakamba, who could do none of those things. Everyone had to shift around, and no one seemed to know where they were playing, and it led to real carnage. And again, you have to talk about the mentality of the players in terms of what went wrong. This is not an isolated incident, and I'm not going to say that this is this is just Man City being absolutely magical, because again, I don't think any of those goals were completely magical. I think the Gundogan strike was the best of the three, but I think Olsen goes down in installments, and I think Martinez saved that, saves that, but you know, I might be being harsh. The key is this. The mentality is, is wrong there. No one was trying to spoil. No one was trying to harangue the referee. No one was feigning injury and going down. There was no employment of the dark arts to try and slow Man City down. It was... As I say, roll on your back, come and tickle our tummies, Man City. Take the, take the title if you want to take it. And the reason I say it's not Man City's brilliance is because we've seen this movie before from this Aston Villa side this year. We've seen these same players under Steven Gerrard lose a two-goal lead at home to Leeds United. A Leeds United who are about as bad as you can be and have stayed up by the skin of their teeth. We managed to blow a two-goal lead to them. And under the previous incumbent, we saw potentially even worse collapse to a, 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 a quite a toothless Wolves team where we were 2-0 up and conspired to lose 3-2 in that game as well. So you have to look at 
not only the, the substitutions, but this could be a larger issue in terms of the mentality of the players and just not having the 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 leadership amongst them someone to 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 do those dark arts to, to as i say time waste grab the referee start a fight take a booking take take a water break fake you know whatever you need to do to just stall 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 none of those things were employed and it was like villa were just kind of happy to be there and that to me was um was really dis- I've, I've ranted about that for a while i was really disappointed with it yes you yeah. can probably tell andy no, absolutely, and I think I think you have to be disappointed. It's it's hard because I can remember tweeting. I think at half time when we were one nil up and and saying, um, "Whatever happens now, I'm just pleased we've made a we, we've made a game of it, and you know we've put the cat amongst the pigeons." But then when we go we go two nil up, and you sort of think we could actually do this. We should actually do this now from this position. We should be able to. You know, we might concede a goal, but we should be able to to, to manage this game now. Um, but it was almost like you say when the first goal went in, that was it. The floodgates opened, and you felt almost like it could have been like five, six, seven by the end of the game. <laughs> they could have yeah, just um, run absolutely riot, you know. But but yeah, it could have been. But but Man City did what we should have done. I mean, I they were playing the ball into the quarter flag, winning cheap fouls again. Edison going down for injuries. He wasn't the only one. I was like, that you don't need to be a hundred million a hundred million pound player to do that. This is this is stuff you could do to stem the tide and maybe it wouldn't have worked. Maybe we still could have, would have conceded, but I think if we could have just kept a clean sheet for another 10, 12 minutes, at least we don't lose the game. At least we get out of there maybe with, with, with a two, one win or even a two, two draw, but to collapse like that just speaks to me that there, there is that the problems actually with, with the club are deeper than I think they are and that we may need more. We may need more, adjustments than I think we need because again this isn't just that this hasn't just been done by Man City Leeds did this to Villa Wolves did this to Villa so there has to be something wrong with them for want of a better term Andy yeah there's definitely that like you say that soft underbelly isn't there at the at the club and I just think that's that is a mentality thing and watching I I watched um, Stephen Gerrard's latest interview today and this seems to be the main thing that he's he's trying to work on. He can't bear the fact that there are players who are kind of okay. I think G- Gerard is well known within the game for being being a really really terrible loser, um, and he can't understand the mentality where someone would feel okay after after losing a match. He just he just he just detests it so um, he wants his players to feel the same and by feeling like that you do more to prevent it and and I think that's that's um, what he's after really he's at Aston Villa we're, we're always going to have to we're always going to win some and lose some that's that's how it's going to be um, but I think he wants to make it clearly wants to make things um, a lot more solid and a lot more um a lot more, a lot less, less inconsistent, I should say, and I think that's this is music to my ears. This is what I want. I don't, you know, I don't want this. Oh, it's okay. I want, I want them to, you know, to really hate losing every time. 
you know, because I do. <laughs> I do. I do. You should see me like seven aside. I, I, my, my mom is staying with us at the minute, and um, she, she, I came back from football on uh, Monday night. It's Wednesday as we're recording, and I see Roma. Tammy Abraham and Jordan Veratu's Roma have just won the Europa Conference League. Oh Congratulations goodness. to Tammy and Jordan Veratu, uh, a misunderstood player from, from our, our recent past. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, I, I came home, I walked in and brought in a cup of tea for my mom and she said, oh, you lost then. She just knew from my, <laughs> she just knew from my, she knew from my body language. And that's, you know, seven to five, seven to five, you know, yeah. and I'm a, I'm a grown man and it's, you know, no one's paying me. I, I pay them <laughs> and it, it hurts me to lose even on that kind of level. So yeah, I, I, am with Steven Gerrard. Roy, Roy Keane actually said similar things about the Paul Lambert, uh, uh, vintage, the, the, the likes of, uh, Gabby and, uh, Sissoko and other left back. Maybe we didn't mention Richardson, um, those kind of guys, Bakuna, goodness me, what a clown car we had as a, a team. He said the same thing, Keen. He said, he said, it, 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 I'm paraphrasing, but he said it was such a shock to the system to be in a dressing room where they could lose. And it was like, ah, no big deal. No one really cared. And so when you're an elite player like a Roy Keen, like a, a Steven Gerrard, you don't get there by being okay, being second best. You only get to the top level by being absolutely ruthless and absolutely fundamentally almost terrified of losing to the point where you will, you will go that extra, you will almost, you know, have an out of body experience as Steven Gerrard did in many games just to carry Liverpool over the line. Unfortunately, he can't do that for us on, on the pitch, but um, hopefully he can do it for us in the dugout, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And it'll be interesting to see how he shapes his squad, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But we've, we've got to touch on the on the the, 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 the scenes really after the game um, where the City fans invaded the pitch, uh, which, as we've seen, you know, just puts safety of players and staff in jeopardy. Um, it's a scene we've, we've seen a lot in recent weeks with some high-profile incidents, including, of course, Billy Sharp being headbutted by a... Nottingham Forest fan after the playoff semi-final, for which that particular idiot was was jailed. Um, likewise, here our goalkeeper Robin Olsen was was attacked by two Man City fans as he attempted to leave the field, and thankfully he's he's relatively unhurt and he's he's he's, he's okay. And he was he was posting messages um, after the game. Um, there has been a, a quite a long tradition in, in football, really, of fans celebrating on the pitch after these historic-type victories. However, it remains a criminal offence to enter the playing field if you're not authorised to do so. Um, but the increase in violence and goading towards players and officials seems a cause for concern, um, the regularity of it. Um, what do you think is behind this? And, and really, what should the authorities and clubs or people in general be, be doing about it? Well, it, 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 if you didn't come here for a sociological uh, chat from <laughs> from me, then then uh, then then I'm sorry. I'll try and keep this brief. Um, so, it, it, how can I put this succinctly? It's it's not a succinct issue, but I'll try and keep it as short as I can. Um, 
What we're seeing, I think, in British society is a return to the bad old days of the 1980s. Um, obviously, for, for, for some of you younger listeners, um, English teams were actually banned from uh, European competitions in 1980-something, sometime 85, in the mid-80s. Yeah. 85, yeah. there you go. Um, and the reason they were banned was because of this culture of hooliganism. And that was kind of fueled by the rise of the far right. It was fueled by really desperate economic conditions at home in England. The cost of living was out of control. Um, inflation was out of control. House prices, price of food, cost of living, I've already said that. All those things. And what do we see in today's England? We see the rise of the far right. We see a government who are um, perhaps not morally um, responsible might be one way to characterize it. Um, that there are actually convicted criminals in, in number 10 now, we, we know. Um, people under police uh, who have been fined by police for breaking rules that they made. So you're seeing a kind of fundamental um, weakening, if you like, of, of, of social norms and of rules. And I think that a fish rots from the head. If people see that rules don't apply to police officers or politicians or whoever it may be, then people start to feel as though rules don't apply to them. We've seen a, a, a rise of, of, of far-right groups. We've seen a rise of uh, racial abuse in the last few years, xenophobia, some of that fueled by um, some of the tabloid uh, media, uh, Brexit, all that other stuff. It is a perfect storm. And as the cost of living continues to get um, out of control in England, I think you will see more problems, you will see more social unrest, we will see more riots, we will see more looting, we will see more uh, violent crime, so on and so forth. And, um, and, and this isn't a football problem, this is a societal problem, and you better buckle in um, because it, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better as people, uh, people's pockets are squeezed and people become desperate. Desperate people do desperate things. Yeah, this is the thing, and it it's, it's just seems... Like it's almost like why not? If I'm on the pitch, why not have a have a pop at, uh, at someone? And and that seems to be the way it is. And whether sort of drink and drugs are involved in in that as well to some degree. But you know, it is it is a really worrying uh, issue. And like you say, you know, it it, it isn't just a, fo a football issue, but it's it's gonna it's gonna enter the game. Um, to, to some extent I think it's obviously made to seem a little bit worse by the fact that there's a lot of these type of games which create that that kind of um, that kind of issue about going on the pitch you don't normally get it after a sort of a normal league match so it's usually a semi-final or a final or, a, or an important game where we saw it at Everton where, where they stayed up um you know, Everton fans uh, celebrating finish finishing sixteenth with a pitch invasion is a bit is a bit. Well, it just said, tells you everything about that club, really. Um, so, you know, there's uh, th there's all sorts of all sorts of issues, but I, I just don't know really what what football can do and what the authorities can do um, to stop it, other than um, I mean, physically stopping them. By putting the cages back in, or um, or just just having closed stadiums for, for for clubs that break the rules, whose fans break the rules and go on the pitch, just close the grounds for 
five yeah, games. I think, but, you know. As, as I say, it's, I think it's very difficult to tell a, a, a young kid that the rules apply to him when the rules don't seem to be applying to anybody else. So, and I think that is a fundamental issue. And yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things. If it keeps happening, I mean, Billy Sharp was 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 very very lucky not to to escape some serious injury there. I mean, the guys completely blindsided him and 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 un- unleashed a vicious assault. And and the scary thing is that some people do this um, not in fear of the consequences, but al- almost welcoming the consequences because they enjoy that kind of notoriety. Sometimes people just want to be known for something whether it's good or bad and 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 that's kind of frightening as well because um there's just no there's no level of 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 restraint our own goalkeeper robert olsen was was assaulted on the pitch and i mean what what the hell does he have to do i mean he's just making his debut <laughs> what the hell does he have to do with man city or or, or anything what, how could anyone be angry at him how could you be angry at all and want to fight when that's you know you should be ecstatic and overjoyed so i just think that um there may need to be some real serious some real serious um some real serious punishments there may need to be games behind closed doors um but the premier league aren't going to do that because it's part of the brand it's money and, and and part of the brand is the, the full stadium. So we'll we'll see. And I hope someone, I, I hope a player or official doesn't need to get stabbed or, or maimed um, for something to happen um, because we really are, I think, returning to the dark old days. We saw it last year in the Euro final, um, which England hosted. We saw the kind of that kind of stuff bubbling up, and and it's only getting worse and worse and worse. So I just hope someone doesn't have to get hurt before the authorities do something. Well, absolutely, and yeah, you, you're right. Billy Sharp was um, was very close to to really serious injury. Um, with that, it was it was a shocking thing, really. And also, the um, the Villa away fans there on 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 uh, on Sunday were apparently getting pelted with um, with all sorts of stuff and flares being thrown in to the away end. Which you know that 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 really is you know that really does feel like back to the eighties. Um, you know, kids with burn marks on them, and it's just—it's just awful. And it's, uh, yeah, like you say, what do you do? It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a deeper problem than than football. But ultimately, football will want to protect its um, its image, won't it? And and they can't have this this going on, really, because um, they'd worked so hard, really, to, to 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 stop it in the first place. But. You know, we'll we'll see, and obviously we'll we'll, we'll follow next season, and and hopefully, um, you know, things will improve. But like you say, it doesn't feel like that's that's going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, but we'll move on to to better news: um, the signing of um, a new player um, in the last well, just. Not 24 hours after the final whistle, Steven Gerrard's summer refresh started in earnest as the signing of Boubacar Kamara from Marseille on a free transfer was announced. He's 22, two years old, um, plays in that elusive defensive midfield position um, mainly and was apparently courted by a number of top European clubs, especially Atletico Madrid. It is an area that Villa fans have been calling for to be improved for over a year now. So is Kamara the answer? And um, what are your general thoughts on the deal? 
I don't know really too much about him. I do watch a bit of uh, Spanish football. I do not really watch French football. The only time I see really see the French French teams is in the um, is in is in Europe when they play against the English teams by and large. Um, so I can't pretend to have have have, have seen a lot. I did um, message my uh, Marseille <laughs> my my mate who's a Marseille fan, and um, I asked him all about him, and he was um, unequivocal in his enthusiasm for this player and was absolutely furious that Villa had uh, <laughs> stolen him was, was uh, his his phrasing um and um and and that encouraged me because when when we signed Sanson he was like yeah he's you know he's decent he's good but he's you know he's like a kind of he's a regular player but um my friend uh, seemed to think that this guy Kamara is the real deal the fact that he is being called into a blockbuster French midfield at 22 years of age is a little bit scary um, in terms of how good he could be already and how good he might become however there is a large caveat here he is still just 22 years of age he will be moving away from home presumably for the first time he will need to integrate and settle into a new a new uh, club, a new environment, and um, and that will require some patience from the villa, from the villa fans. I think that we have been told for so long now that um, that this this defensive midfielder is just going to transform everything, if which is obviously not <laughs> accurate. Um, so unfortunately, I hope that um, no, not unfortunately. Fortunately, I think we've got a real a real talent here, but I hope that we're patient with him. And if Villa lose the first. If the Villa fan, if we lose the first couple of games, we don't, you know, we don't start writing him off as crap or whatever, because it might take him six months to a year to, to to settle in and become a Premier League force. Because with all due respect to League, uh, uh, it, it is not the same level um, as we know because Freddie Gilbert is in the team of the league, team of the year, isn't he? There, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> And that's always the uh, comparison I make when we sign players uh, from there. That you know we. We also signed him from there, and uh, he's ripping it up over in that league. So, um, good luck to him. But I'm really uh, excited about this signing. I, f- I feel like I do like these ones where um, you get someone who is kind of highly regarded, but somehow you manage to kind of almost nick them under the radar. I know he's been um, kind of around the the gossip column columns for a while, and I think. Man United were, were were showing an interest, Newcastle, and obviously Atletico Madrid as well. Um, so to kind of nip in and and and, and pinch him, um, I'm sure he's on a he's he's going to be on a, a a decent pay rise and, and and that sort of thing as well. But I think it's it's a really good, it's a really exciting deal. And uh, yes, I, I I absolutely echo what you're saying, and I've had sort of similar thoughts myself that he he's going to need you know time probably um having said that not all players do some players come in and they've just got it and they hit the ground running and 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 the fact that he's going to have a bit of a break now he'll go straight in first day of pre-season he'll have the whole the the trip to australia and all the pre-season you know I just think that will stand him in really good stead and he'll be ready to go come the start of the season. It will. I just I'm just I'm just cautiously scared that we've 
been telling ourselves, Villa Twitter has been telling each other, and the journalists have been joining in that this guy, this this defensive midfielder is going to be solution to all the problems, and 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 it's not quite that simple. I think that um, we don't want to pin all our hopes on 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 on, on this guy transforming us, um, at least not in his first season. You know, we we have experience with this. Douglas Luiz came to a new a new a, a new. I think he was twenty one when he when he signed for us, and he's. He's an established Premier League player now, but you get inconsistencies with young players. Wesley came in as our record signing, a 22-year-old Brazilian striker, and people people had written him off <laughs> within within three weeks. <laughs> he didn't he didn't get a chance. The poor lad bite from some people. Now, admittedly, you know he may not have been on gone on to be to be anything, but I mean we'll never know either way now because Ben Mead, you know, has, has killed his top level career, which is a big shame for 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 Wesley. We will never know if he was going to be uh, uh, go on to be a wonderful Premier League striker or whether he was going to you know stink the place out. We don't know. But even so, that that. The, the fact that we had this 22-year-old coming to a new country and Villa fans, and I'm old enough to remember this, had written him off. I promise you, within three, four weeks, written the guy off. He's crap. He's never going to be any good. 22-year-old kid coming in from Brazil for the first time. I just hope that we're patient with Kamara. I hope that Gerard also eases him in softly, softly, slowly, slowly. Maybe he starts the first few games on the bench. Maybe he comes in, starts a couple of cup games. Uh, I don't know. I just hope he's given time because hopefully this guy's going to be our midfielder for the next five or six years. So we don't need to rush him. But as you say, Andy, if he's ready and and, and he's, he's, he's firing, then, you know, have at it. But as we've seen from the likes of Danny Ings, there are no guarantees in football transfers. Just because you think someone's going to be a plug and play does not mean it is necessarily so. Yeah, I know. We'll give, we'll give him time, I think, and you know, see how he does. And like we said, you know, like you say, Villa Twitter is convinced that once we have a number six, um, it's uh, it's non-stop to the Champions League final, and uh, we'll be there in a couple of years. So, you know, let's hope. Hey, let's hope. Um, but uh, the other thing is, you know. It doesn't. It seems that it's probably not going to be um, the last signing through the door this summer, um, as Gerard seeks to add quality and, and steeliness to his squad before next season. There are still strong links um, to Luis Suarez on a free transfer, and also James Tarkovsky, who is leaving Burnley this summer, and he's also on a on a free transfer. And that rumor seems to have accelerated somewhat in recent days. Um, early business has really been a hallmark of NSWE and, and Perslow since they came into the club, uh, and that looks to continue uh, this summer. So, are you liking any of these links or any other things? And and uh, and what do you feel are the is the main area that needs attention this summer? I think that um, I, I I don't like either of those links. <laughs> Suarez, because I do watch some La Liga, um, it is not what he was. Obviously, at thirty six, thirty seven, that's that's goes without saying. I think if he's brought in on reasonable wages, on the understanding that he's kind of a rotation option, and also we talked about I talked about Defoe coming in earlier. I mean, look, the, there'd be no one better than Luis Suarez to come in and show uh, and, and and give and give the attack some bite. <laughs> You see what I did there, Andy? You see what, what you did, did yeah. I've heard yeah, that one okay, yeah. once or twice. Yeah, well, yeah, well, all right. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't, you know, Lewis Suarez, I mean, look, whoever comes in, I, I will support them. I Tarkovsky, my concern is, as I mentioned earlier on the pod, 
that I think he could be a Michael Keane situation. I think he might look very good in the Burnley, Burnley uh, low block where he has ultimate protection. But I think if you're asking him to play on the halfway line, what kind of what kind of turning circle does he have? What kind of pace does he have? What's his distribution like? I don't really know because playing for Burnley, they don't they're not. Burnley are not uh, playing those beautiful things. But look, if you give me a choice between Tarkovsky on a free and signing that injury-prone person, Joe Gomez, who we've also been linked with, I take Tarkovsky every day of the week on a free transfer over Joe Gomez. Uh, Tarkovsky is 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 durable. He's reliable. He's not made of glass like Joe Gomez, and also he's on a free transfer. Whereas Gomez is probably going to cost upwards of twenty, thirty million pounds. So for me, that would be a no brainer. I would have Tarkovsky every day of the week. And also, the rumor is about Tarkovsky is that he is a you know he's a leader. He's a he's a he's a a man amongst men, so to speak. And um, and and as I said, due to our soft underbelly, we do need leaders. So um, it, it it looks it looks interesting. I think that. Um, it's going to be really important for us to get the business done early. We saw last season, or this season, should I say, this season? Are we still in this season? Is it this season or last season now? It's last oh, season now. Yeah, we finished. Yeah, last season now. All right, we saw. <laughs> um, last summer, we lost Richard O'Kelly. We lost uh, John Terry. And we lost Jack Grealish, I think, all in the three weeks leading up to the start of the season. We also had a few preseason friendlies cancelled due to COVID outbreaks. And it was a mess. And I don't think we ever really recovered any kind of momentum this season from from what was a desperate start, which obviously saw the end of Dean Smith. Uh, we never recovered. It was incoherent. It was a mess. Losing coaches, losing your captain, not getting your preseason preparations done right. We saw how destructive that can be. So, yeah, getting it done early, getting it, do, getting, getting it done right and getting the players in embedded in and, and, and supported and um, is, is going to be really, really key because one thing's for sure, um, Steven Gerrard will not survive another 14th place finish. A Villa cannot continue investing on this kind of level and be a lower mid-table side, that is for sure. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, on that, you know, we talked about, we've alluded to um, Paul Lambert's uh, team a fair bit on this podcast and some of the players that he had to work with and he was churning out 15th, 14th place finishes for a couple of years. So um, with the kind of players that we've got and the kind of resources we we, we have and the wages we're, we're shelling out, it's not it's really not good enough. And, and Gerard knows that and he's said that on, on multiple occasions in the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like the Tarkovsky uh, link. I know we, we talked about it a few weeks ago talked about him didn't we and I know you're not you're not a fan <laughs> but um, if it means we don't sign Joe Gomez I'm a big fan <laughs> so, big time big I, fan I like the idea it just it, it feels a little bit like um, you know a, a Richard Dunn or a James Collins type of signing quite solid you know you know what you're going to be be getting from him um, to some degree and yeah, it's like you say whether he can he can fit into the Gerrard system ultimately. Um, but he did kind of come up through the Brentford system, didn't he as well with under Dean Smith and and, and so on. So you know he must um, he, he'll have those those kind of ball playing attributes, I think, to some degree. So um, I really like it. I, I've just kind of I've got to the stage now where I'd be quite disappointed if we didn't sign him, but. I know there are well, uh, there will be lots of clubs yeah. after him. 
in 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 fairness, our pulses were hardly set racing. I think it's fair to say at the Callum Chambers signing, but he has really impressed me. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So so this could be, you know, this could be really 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 interesting. I think that um, Tarkovsky was 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 had a kind of thirty forty million pound uh, fee on his head a couple of years ago. Obviously now he's he's about to turn thirty and. and and there's not necessarily give you that kind of resale value on him, but on a free transfer, you imagine that 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 that, that makes it really viable. And um, and 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 yeah, look, why not? The, the the more the merrier. Come on down. Absolutely. We'll we'll certainly see how things go over the summer, um, and we'll be following it with interest. But um, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for joining me for for this week, Craig. The last proper one of the season and we're going to hopefully try and um, get together to do a bit of a season review um, in the next week or two um, just to uh, finish things off before we have a bit of a summer break. Um, but yeah, it's been great. Thanks for the uh, thanks for your companionship all season as well. It's been it's been really, really good stuff and really nice to to come on. And uh, we've had some ups and downs. But we? It's been a bit of a bit of a roller coaster season, I think, for us on here. It, it has, and we will we will talk about that in some more detail when we do the, the the full season review, and we can go step by step. We can we can pull out our uh, our abacus, count our beans, and see where how Villa ended up in 14th with such what what I still believe is 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 a talented if flawed squad. Yeah, absolutely. We'll 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 try and do that in the next couple of weeks like I say. Um but thanks to everyone for listening. Um obviously as always head over to underagaslitlamp.com um to check out the website and give us a follow on the socials. Um and other than that, no game no more games till August, apart from the uh, the friendlies, I suppose, and we we may have a look at them later on. But enjoy um, the Champions League final, I guess, <laughs> and we'll be uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully with a with a uh, season review. But until then, take care, stay safe, and up the villa.